Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans. As we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Everton Fan Podcast on the Royal Blue Channel. I'm Ian Kroll and this is The View from the Gladys Street. Still no football to speak of, so this week we are going to do some short-term reminiscing. Thursday, December the 5th, 2019 was the day Marco Silva's tenure at Everton Football Club came to an end. That's after the final straw of a humiliating 5-2 derby defeat to Liverpool. We all know what happened after that with the then short-term appointment of Duncan Ferguson and then the permanent appointment of Carlo Angelotti. But we are here to discuss and debate on Marco Silva and where it all went wrong. With me to do so, we have Rob Astle. You all right, Rob? Afternoon, mate. Okay. Yeah, not too bad. And Graham Callahan. How are you, Graham? Not too bad, mate. Getting there with all this madness going on. Yeah, it is. It's a bit, bit crazy, isn't it? We are uh, recording this podcast over Skype at the moment. So if the audio is not the best quality, I do apologise. Obviously, we... Um, a lot of people work from home at the moment, unable to uh, travel and uh, just go out and about. So we're, we're doing our best to still bring you the podcast. But um, yeah, basically, that's just thought with no football to speak of. I thought it'd be an idea to talk about Marco Silva and basically where it all went wrong. Be, be, before I do that, though, Graham, I just want to start with you. Rob's kind of giving his opinion on uh, on this topic. But just, you, Graham, just give us your thoughts really on, on the league season um, at the moment and you know, all this null and void stuff and how the you know the league should be finished. I mean, the Premier League have released a statement last week and postponed the league indefinitely um, and not given a date. So, um, what are your thoughts on it and how do you think things should proceed? Um, to be honest with you, mate, it, it's, it's bottom of the list at the moment. Isn't it? You know, it, for me, whatever happens, happens. Um as much as it'd be, you know, harsh on our neighbours across the park to uh, to take away, you know, what what would be a, a fantastic achievement. Um, I don't think it could happen to a nicer team, to be honest with you, <laughs> if it was. Um, but you know, I've not really given it much thought, to be honest. I think that you know, there's bigger things, isn't it? I know we're on the podcast. I know we're here to talk about football, but the powers that be will sort it out, and whatever they decide, they decide. For me. Um, you know, it wouldn't bother me if they if they could finish the season and 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 extend this season and finish it off, or whether they called it null and void. Um, you know, they've they've already put the Euros back, haven't they? So that's that's sorted. Um, I know I know it's boring, and you might say I'm sitting on the fence, but like I say, either way, it doesn't really bother me. I think the title was done and dusted. Um, I think probably all but one side was relegated, and you know, someone's got to go down at the end of the day, haven't they? Um, our season was was over, bad and a miracle. Um, so if they called it now, it wouldn't bother me. If they played it again due to these financial implications that people are talking about, then then fair enough. But we just have to see how it goes, mate. Um, as a blue, it, it it's done in it really. I don't think we're going to qualify for the Europa League, whether we play on. And we're certainly not if it's null and void, obviously, because of where we are in the league. So 
we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to get your opinion on um, on that matter before we moved on. Then, so the, really, the main the main point, Rob, we'll, we'll start with you. We're talking about Marco Silva, and it feels like so much has happened since we sacked Marco Silva since Everton Football Club sacked the club. It, to be honest, it feels like years ago. You know, Ferguson um, being appointed as the, the caretaker manager, then Angelotti coming in, and you know, a lot of things have happened in the league since then, and now obviously this issue with the the coronavirus, but I just thought it'd be good to to look back on on Marco's you know reign at the club and let's take you back to the beginning. Really, what what, what did you think when Everton appointed Marco Silva? What what were your expectations and um, did you think he was a good appointment at the time? I think I think at the time it wasn't really. I just wanted Allardyce out. I think so. Anyone but him in charge would have been a better thing, and. When he did come in, you give you try and give the manager the benefit of the doubt for for uh, probably the first season, don't you? Um, and he came in and he 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 tried to implement a style of play, I think, which wasn't really effective. And until the until the latter half of the season, when we had some good results towards like maybe like the last third, and then and then the second season, you'd expect you expected them, you wanted them to build on that, and he just didn't and. It was just, in the end, he was just as underwhelming as the team around him, wasn't he? He was, you know, it, it was boring, it was predictable, you know, it wasn't nice to watch. Um, you know, you, you kind of went into games thinking, oh, oh, what way are we going to lose this? Um, I liked the lad, I liked the man, you know, I thought he was, he, but at the end of the day, results are king, aren't they? And if you're not getting them, you, you're gonna you're gonna pay uh, pay for it with your job. And that the Leicester game and the, the Norwich game. This season were probably the two games where I thought, nah, mate, you need to, you need to go. And obviously the derby was just like the icing on the cake, wasn't it? And then I think the next day was just a, a matter of time before he, um, you know, before he was given the push. Um, you know, he probably had a little bit of bad luck in there, um, but at the same time, you know, you, you've got to adapt to your surroundings, and good managers do that, and he didn't. Um, so yeah. I mean, Graham, I, I don't know what you think. For me, this season, it doesn't feel like Marco Silva has managed Everton Football Club. It just seems like so much has happened. So much has happened. Um, so what were your thoughts when he was initially appointed? And, you know, he seemed to be courted for a long time um, from Mishiri. Obviously, Rob Dares mentioned Sam Allardyce and he just kind of wanted them out the club. But was it the same case for you or were you happy with the appointment? Yeah. I think Rob used the word underwhelmed. Um, I think when Silva was appointed, I'd have to agree and say that I was I was underwhelmed. Um, I couldn't really get my head around why Mashiri pursued him with so much vigour the way he did. Because um, he hadn't really achieved all that much. He wasn't a household name, you know, he wasn't a, a, a marquee signing. Um, so I think I, I was underwhelmed, but I gave him the benefit of the doubt. You know, he was coming in, he, he was Everton manager, there was no point getting down about it. Um, I wasn't as miffed as people were with Allardyce, um, I was ready to give Allardyce another season myself. I know people talked about like draconian football, dinosaur, etc. But you know, where did where did that side finish that season? Was it seventh or eighth? I think you know, give him another season. I, I was thinking, give him another season, see how he goes. But we appointed Silver. I was already to give him a chance. Um, I think I came on the podcast quite early on into the the start of his career at Everton, and I said. You know, he needs time, he needs, you know, at least a season, he needs time to sign his own players and things. Um, 
everyone knows I, I wasn't a fan and I, and I soon lost my patience with them. Um, I think there was a, you know, a varying, a lot of different reasons why it went wrong for Marco Silva. I think some were beyond his control. I think a lot of them were, you know, mistakes that he made, decision making. Um, all in all, though, mate, I mean, this is this is easy and, and it's a bit of a wrap up, but I just don't think he's a very good football manager. Um, and I think he got found out um, at a club the size of Everton. Um, don't get me wrong, I think some of the signings that, you know, Kuman made, I think the loss of, loss of Romelu Lukaku when Kuman was there and the fact that we didn't replace him, I think a lot of the signings that Walsh and Kuman brought in, you know, were not, they didn't fit into the, the, the side because too many of them played in the same positions. And, you know, there's a whole plethora of things that we can go through, which made it quite difficult for Marco Silva. But ultimately, I just I don't think he's a very good football manager. I don't think his philosophy works. If he even had one in the Premier League, um, and you know, I think I wanted them gone a lot earlier than 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 he eventually did get sacked. But it was inevitable inevitable for me, um, you know, quite early on in his tenure that he wasn't going to be successful at Everton. Great. Was it a particular game that you thought, nah, he's this? He isn't the one. Or was it just a build up of a build up of build up of games where you thought we can't go any further here with him? I don't. I don't think it was one particular game. I think you know it's 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 harsh to judge a manager on 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 a particular performance. But I think you know when week in week out you you go in the game pessimistic and, and you're watching last lackluster performances and you know you're getting beat on by you know some of the teams that beat us at Goodison Park. It was like it it was all it was embarrassing, wasn't it? You know what I mean? Get getting all laid by Bournemouth and West Ham and. I just he just didn't seem to be able to get a tune out of the players and you know I think the other worrying thing for me not just performance wise but I couldn't I'm not, I'm not an expert don't get me wrong you know everyone sits in their armchair or sits in the seat of Goodison Park and thinks that they know the lot don't people you know I, I do I know football to a degree I, you know watch football since we were four or five years old you know what I mean we've grown up with it we know the game to an extent and I could never watch a Marco Silva team and identify some tactics or some strategy. I used to say this all the time, and people are probably sick of hearing it. But <coughs> with Marco Silva, I could never ever see a game plan. When David Moyes was manager, it was never you know Barcelona esque. But you know there was that partnership, Baines and PNR. You know he got his fullbacks up the pitch. Sometimes he just get balls into the box. Allardyce. It was never pretty. It was it was it was long ball. You know old school but there was an identifiable strategy and game plan and tactics and gaining yards up the pitch and winning second balls and you know at least you think well at least we half know what we're doing if we can get this right we can win the game it might not look good but with silver and I don't think I ever sat and watched Everton and thought we look minty or we look good like you know the, the, I can see what he's trying to do here or I can see why he's put him there or I can see why he's done this just never saw it, uh, and that's what put me off more so than individual performances. I just felt like he was never going to move us forward in a, in a in a in a in a solid fashion. Do you get me? Yeah, see, one of the one of the sorry sorry, no, sorry one cool. of the things I one of the things I, I thought about Marco Silva was, was similar to um, Roberto Martinez. I felt he didn't have the respect of the players. I felt he was too nice to them. I felt he protected them far too much. In defeat, he'd never come out and openly criticise a player. You know, it, 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 there'd always be a positive to it. And I think as a manager, I think you need, you know, you, you know, when we had David Moyes, every single player in that squad, you know, respected and listened to him and, and, and you know, and if he didn't, they were off the club, basically. And I think we've got the same now with Ancelotti. You know, the, the, he's a serial winner at the end of the day and people, players respect him. And I just think 
Marco Silva didn't have that. I think players got away with murder, hiding, you know, and because they knew they weren't they weren't going to be openly criticised, they knew they were going to be in the team the following week. He wasn't strong enough in that in that in that sense for me, and that's why that was one of the other things that I one of the reasons why I wanted them gone. It was it was a build up of results, but it was also that as well. I was sick of seeing you Theo Walcott, you Gilfie Sigurdsson's getting away with absolute murder week in week out. I mean, did he have? At the time, did he have other options to to change things around? I think. Uh, sorry, anyone? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I think every manager's got options to change things around, haven't they? At the end of the day, you know, you can try different formations, you can try a plan B, you can try a plan C if it's not working. You know, and you know, you, you've got to adapt as a manager. And if, if you're not winning games, you've got to figure out the way of doing it. And he, he didn't. He played that that same formation. It was always at the four, two, three, one all the time. And three managers before him had used that as well. It just wasn't working anymore. And then, it, so he could have adapted plenty of times, but I just don't think he. I just don't think he wanted to. I don't, I don't think he knew how to. More, more. Yeah, so. I, I don't think he was capable, was he? I don't think it was a fact yeah. that he didn't want to. I think he'd have done anything to save his job and to and to get performances out of out of the team, but. I think the downfall of his was that he didn't know how to. He didn't know how to, you know, because he, he, he just doesn't have that skill, if you like, you know. I just don't think he could look at a team and say, well, this is how we can get the best out of these players. I think he had this ideal and it didn't fit. And so he was sort of stumped because he didn't know what else to do. Was it was it a case of him not being good enough, knowledgeable-wise, tactics and stuff like that? Or was he just stubborn, though? Um, that question to to Adria really because if sometimes <laughs> when you look back at Martinez, I felt felt he he was a little bit you know tactically astute sometimes. I think he was poor defensively. I don't think he knew how to set the team up defensively. But tactic wise, I think he was he was okay. Uh, but in the end, it just got came down to him being really really stubborn, and it was his way or the highway. And I'm not going to change my philosophy for anyone. Was it the same way? With Marco Silva, or was he just that tactically inept? Graham, sorry. Personally, I'd say yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I don't think he was, he was, a, he is a good football manager. Um, and I don't think, I don't know, I don't think him and his coaching staff. Well, it's probably a combination of the two, but I'd lean more towards the fact that he didn't know what else to do. Um, his options were limited to an extent. Um, but I think he had enough time there to bring in players that he needed to bring in. Obviously, I don't like this director of football thing, uh, you know, regardless of who that may be, whether it was Walsh, whether it's Brands, whoever it might be. I don't really buy into that. And I think the manager should be the manager. Maybe I'm old fashioned, but, you know, it, it, maybe he wasn't bringing those players in. But still, um, you know, you would have expected him with the, with the players at the club. You would have expected him to do a better job. Well, I certainly did than what he was doing. Um, so to answer your question, I think it's probably a combination of, of both things. I think it was, you know, that he's quite stubborn and that he's got this philosophy that he buys into. But at the same time, I think he, he put all his eggs in that basket because he didn't have another viable option in his in his in his bag, if you like. He didn't he didn't know any other way to play or didn't know any other way to coach. Um what a- Hello. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Clay. One other thing I know, one other thing I I look back on with Marco Silva is he's saying there like it's a mix of mix of the both. Like we've come out, we come out in Marco Silva games and thought, oh yeah, Everton played well there. But 
to pick out two of those performances, outstanding, what we thought were outstanding performances, and look back on them in hindsight, I'd say the West Ham away game and the United at home when we won 2-0 and 4 0 Looking back on them, I think Marco Silva got lucky because they were so bad that day. It wasn't because we were that good. And like, I think he got that's how he got away with it, maybe for so long, because teams were were weren't performing against us and we'd we we would look good. I don't think we actually like I don't think he, he tactically outdone them that day. Do you know what I mean? I don't think he he he, he outwitted them. I've never seen him outwitted. We've never played well for ninety minutes under him. That's one thing I'll say. And I think he got lucky at times in that in that respect. So it is a mix of both. It's like he's never really, you know, completely outdone a manager for me. I mean, can you pinpoint it an actual time, John? As you know, as reign of the club, where where it went wrong, or was it just littered with, you know? Ups and downs. I mean, it quite clearly was littered with ups and downs. But was there was there any point where you think, you know, there's no there's no coming back from him for him from this? Obviously, you know, the the early part of this season weren't great. You only have, you only have to look at the back end of last season, really, um, where we 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 did go on a really good run and we had we had victories against likes of, you know, Arsenal, you know, United four nil, Chelsea, West Ham away. Um, you know, a draw with Liverpool and and stuff like that. So you know, those results aren't to be, uh, you know, to be ignored. I'm not saying they're to be ignored, but what, what I'm saying is, is I don't think, I don't think on that day, it, it, yeah. All right, then in between them getting them games in that last quarter, we got beat three two away at Newcastle after being two 0 up, and we got beat two 0 at an already relegated Fulham. Do you know what I mean? So there was still that mix in there of like. Really poor performances towards the latter end of that, the latter end of that season. Yeah. But I think in answer to your question there, where did it kind of start going wrong for me? And this isn't kind of Marco Silva's fault, really. I think I felt it was when the injuries started piling up in the early half, early part of this season. You know, we we were crippled in midfield for quite, you know, quite early on, really. And I think things when started going wrong for him then, but. You know, as a manager, you've got to adapt, and he didn't. And that's, you know, the, the results were slowly but surely getting worse and worse and worse. And it was probably the the Norwich game for me, where it was like, nah, he needs this is done now. It's 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 a matter of time. And I was so shocked that he got the Leicester game the week after that. Um, and the Liverpool. And it, <laughs> and, 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 and but I think that was the club thing, and we've got no, we we don't know who we're getting in here. I think that was the club just biding their time. You know, it's better to have what. A manager in than than the than no manager. And obviously we got lucky with the fact that Duncan Ferguson's impact was so good. But yeah, it was then for me where it was like you're at the point of no return here now there's far too much that's gone on. Um where you need to you know, we need to we need to change another guard really. I mean Graham, Mercedes' pursuit of Silver was obviously, you know, well publicised. So what what do you think he saw in, in in Silver to, to pursue him for that long? You know, he was you know, the manager of Wofford at the time when it was first touted that we would um we were trying to appoint him and you know that, that didn't come off then and we, we appointed Allardyce and then he went back in for him after he was um after we sacked Allardyce and obviously Silver had already been sacked by Wofford then so he was already a, a free agent. What what do you think that is there anything that you could see that Michelle thought, well he's the man for me, you know, young Portuguese manager could take us on. Um anything like that that you think because you know, it was quite you know vigorous wasn't it the pursuit of him yeah I mean you know it, ultimately it was a gamble wasn't it but like you say 
Um, I think before it went pear-shaped at Watford, which everyone put down to was tapping them up in inverted commas. He had a reasonably good spell there, didn't he? Where, you know, they went on like a 10-12 game run and, you know, they were up, up the top half of the table. You know, he is young. Um, I think these days in the media, especially with the younger younger continental managers, you know, they, they quite quickly get labelled with this style and, you know, with this, you know, influence that they have on the game and the way they play football and this high press and I think a lot of the time it's people who don't know what they're talking about just you know writing articles for the sake of writing articles and I think Silva got labelled with this almost like the new Mourinho type thing um you know he's young he's you know he's quite stern and you know he, he plays this high tempo football and it's a bit of a myth really but I think everyone got a bit washed up in it you know what I mean um Possibly including Mashiri. Obviously, he would have had inside advice, and you know he hasn't made his opinion from watching match of the day. People are going to have told him about this fella, and he's going to have done his own work. He would imagine. Um, but I think you know a little bit of there weren't really many other options about. Um, a little bit of everybody wanted Allardyce out, and a little bit of this Mourinho Mark to me. Um, all those things combined, sort of, you know. You know, and Mashiri wanted his man once Mashiri's identified him. He's not going to lose face, is he? Mashiri wants him. You know, with all due respect to Watford, I'm going to have him. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm Farhad Mashiri, and, and that's my man. He's going to get him at all costs, isn't he? Yeah. Um. So I think that's how he's ended up at Everton Football Club. But there's no two ways about it. And hindsight, you know, is a wonderful thing. But the job was too big for him. And I honestly, honestly believe that if he was manager of Everton Football Club till the end of this season. Albeit, obviously, with coronavirus, it's different. I, I do think Everton have got relegated. I do. Yeah. Do you think that, Rob? Do you think that there was a, a relegation dog Just, just purely because I know we're probably not going to get relegated now. Should the season continue? But you know, big fan of Carlo Ancelotti. Don't get me wrong, but we actually we are sitting in twelfth position. We're not really any higher up the table than um, than what we were with, with Marco Marco Silva. I mean, I'm not. Suggesting we should have not sacked Marco Silva. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that at all. But um, where we currently sit in the league, it's after those bad results against Arsenal, Chelsea, and United, it, it, it doesn't look good, does it? I mean, I mean, we're five places better off because we were 18 to we when um, Silva was sacked. You know, we were in the relegation zone, and it was after, after that derby game. I genuinely thought Chelsea was just going to come in and run riot against us now. Um, and you know, th- thankfully we. You know, we managed to pick ourselves up and and credit Duncan Ferguson for just basically going back to basics that day. Um, just going back to Graham's point there about not Marco Silva not having a game plan that day. There was a there was a game plan from Everton for the first time in a long time. Um, but I do I don't I think if Marco Silva was in charge for those three games, who was it? it was Chelsea, United, and Arsenal in a row, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you know. I, I don't think we'd have got a single point. If I'm being honest, maybe maybe the Arsenal game we'd have got a point, but. Otherwise, because that team was just in dire straits, you know, they we couldn't defend. Um, you know, we could barely score, and they just weren't motivated as well. You know, you look at the difference between the game midweek against Liverpool and then the game against Chelsea. There was just a different, completely different mindset, and I think we'd be in a much more uh, precarious position now if he was still in charge. But it's one of them. But at the same time, it's one of them. Though I don't think it would have ever got to that point. We were always going to sack them. Yeah. This club can't. This club can't afford to be out the Premier League at the end of the day. It, it, and it, if it, 
if it wasn't going to be the, the Liverpool game, he'd have done it after the Chelsea game until we'd have got um, until we'd have got Ancelotti in. I mean, one thing Graham Nakalo and Jotty's done since coming in, he's kind of like tried to play to you know the current players' strengths. Something which Marco Silva again, I, I go back to whether he was he was tactically inept or he was just stubborn. I, I, I personally, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, quite clear, clearly, it wasn't working what he was doing, which is obviously why he got sacked. But do you think if he had the players that was to play in his system, it would have been a different story? Um, I, I, I couldn't say, mate, to be honest. I mean, potentially, you know, if, if any manager's got a crop of players that buy into his way of playing and think the world of them and they're all suited to it then it's, it's going to to an extent it's going to work isn't it but I think the uh, you know the the makings of a good manager is someone who can go into a, a football club and, and identify players strengths and weaknesses and then and then work around that um, nobody is going to be able to bring in 22 players in a pre-season and then and, and they're all going to you know fit perfectly and you know if that happens you're champions aren't you um, well, yeah, I'm going to be very very damning um, and I, I'm going to say, I've already said, possibly, possibly, possibly the worst manager ever and I've had in Premier League history. So for for no for me, I mean you're talking like Mike Walker standard. That's how bad I thought Marco Silva was. <laughs> yeah, honestly. No, I mean honestly. Fair, fair enough. Just that's your opinion, isn't it? It wasn't, um, you know, certainly wasn't great towards the last last few months of his of his reign. Um, is there any? Any particular high moments for you, Rob, that, that stick out? Um, certainly low ones, which we'll, we'll come on to as well. But is there anything that you think you thought to yourself, you know, Marco Silva's going to do a good job here at Everton and could be here for a good couple of years? Um, I felt we got off to a good start under Silva. I think it was it was seven out of nine, wasn't it? Um, when he first, the first few games of the season um, or something along those lines. Um, and then we had a little dip and we kind of picked form up then. It was it was peaks and troughs of them, wasn't it? And I, there was no point though where I thought, yeah, we're gonna do all right under him. That's that that's that's the problem. There was no point where I thought we can maintain this. Even that the run at the end of you know the the, the run of home games, I'll call it because the away form still wasn't great. At the end towards the end of, at, at the end of last season, there you can say, oh yeah, we did all right, but I never really thought that we'd maintain it into the, into the next season. You wanted the two, you hoped that we did, but I never really thought that you did, that we that we actually would. Yeah. Um, and, and and that's why we, why we are where we are today with Carlo Ancelotti in charge, really. Um, and looking into the future, you just hope that however this season ends, if it ends, our ends, whatever, you know, going into next the next the next season, you know, we can really kick on. But at least, at least under Angelotti, there seems to be a structure to the team. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a it's a four four two with the with the fullbacks um, turning into wingers at times mainly, um, and he's getting the best out of the, the front two. Um, so you don't back, you know, we can build on that into next season. Anything for you, Graham? Where you it's stood out? Come on, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think. Like echoing what Bobby just said, then like I completely agree, and I think like how how sort of frowned upon and outdated is a four four two in football these days? Like nobody plays four four two anymore, and you know it, it it's it's often criticised and it's it's old and it's you know prehistoric football. But 
Ancelotti doesn't care because Ancelotti knows that at the moment that's the best system to play the players that we've got and that's how he's going to get a tune out of them. So he's gone for it, hasn't he? He doesn't care, you know, about what, what you know, the way he wants to play because he might, you know, the, the way he wants to play at the moment might not suit those players and that's the makings of a, of a top, top manager, isn't it? So, like, to echo what, what Rob said, that's the difference between an Ancelotti and a Silver amongst about 25 million trophies as well, obviously, but, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, the, they're the, the, the differences. Yeah. I mean, I think for me personally, the one thing that... I felt was going to be a big plus for Silver and the one, I wouldn't say it was the high moment, but do you remember when we we, we had that like 17 day break because I think we were out of the cup and we were waiting for the Cardiff game away and then we were going to play Liverpool right after that, weren't we? Um, I remember thinking this is the time for Silver to like do a, an almost mini pre-season and whether that was to take the, you know, the squad abroad or just keep them at Finch Farm and, you know, just work them like it was a proper pre-season. And, you know, we came back from that break and we went to Cardiff and we, we won 3-0 and then we played Liverpool and, and, and we drew and then the results started picking up from there and then I personally felt that was a, a good, a big moment for Silver that he's managed to get some time alone with the players. You know, this wasn't an international break where those, those players were out and about and he wasn't with them. He, he was with them for a, a large majority of the time and I felt, you know, He's worked with them in. It's something's something's clicked. He's had some sort of reaction. So I felt high moments. I don't want to just talk about individual results because there was there was a couple of good ones. You know, you know, okay, United are it's not the team that they once were, but four 0 to beat United four 0 at home at any time is is a massive result. Um, so for me personally, that 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 was the the high moments from you know the Marco Silver Rainbow. You know, obviously wasn't to be. Is there, is there any um? Oh, what would you say some of his best signings, or at least one of his best signings for, for Everton, um, Rob? I think, well, obviously with Charleston, really, isn't he? Yeah. You know, he, he brought him in for what, at the time, we all thought was a stupid amount of money. We shouldn't kind of be spending that, but, you know, he was repaid that tenfold, hasn't he? You know, he's our new talisman. Um, comes up with a goal out of nowhere when we are particularly playing well. Um, and he's actually a really good footballer as well. Um, and then, I kind of credit Marco Silva with the emergence of Dominic Carvalho as well. I mean, it, I know he wasn't really a, a Marco Silva signing, but he kind of got a lot more minutes under Marco Silva than um, than he did under previous managers, and he seems to have come on leaps and bounds under Marco Silva. But yeah, Richarlison definitely, but a shout out to Carvalho really and, and his development. Yeah, I mean to be fair, Graham, you could probably argue the fact that he might not have signed even signed the players, but there's a couple there that. In the squad at the moment that have been signed under the um, you know the brand silver um, regime, you know the likes of Richarlison, Yeri Mina, Luca Dean, um, Andre Gomez obviously came in on loan during that time as well. So you know the basis for the squad is there, and you know for what you'd think is the positive side of the squad, and that has all come from you know the like from under silver and brands, if you want to call it that. Yeah, um, he made some some good signings. Um... I think obviously, as as Rob said, the, the standout ones were Charleston. Um, you know, Dinier had a good first season, hasn't impressed me as much this season. Gomez has had ups and downs. Um, I think, you know, what do we spend on a Charleston? 50 million quid. I expected returns myself. Um, again, I'm, I'm hypercritical of Marco Silva because, you know, I, I never liked him. Um, but I wouldn't rave about his signings, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think, you know, 
if you want to benchmark, look at, I know it's a different era and, and you know, money was different and that, but, you know, Michael Arteta, Tim Cahill, Stephen Pienaar, these lads came in for buttons and, and, and you know, turned in performances week in, week out for, for coming up to decade, you know what I mean? Um, I think it's easy to overload these lads when they haven't really done anything yet. Um, the View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The View from the Gladys Street podcast. Like I say, I'm hypercritical and I tend to look at it the other way. Um, you know, I think the, the, the players that he didn't sign, and that's always going to be the case, but the players that he didn't sign cost him a lot more. I think that the Zuma, the Barkle in the summer, I think not bringing a proven goal scorer in, um, you know, uh, he, he made more errors in the market for me than, than not. Um, on, but again, on, on I, the I'm flip, not... Just sorry to interrupt, on the flip side of that, I agree we needed to bring a, a goal scorer in and we did need to bring a centre-back in, but you only have to look now at the developments of Mason Hallgate and Dominic Carver-Lewis to see how much they flourish because probably we haven't brought um, you know, signings in. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. I'm just, just tr- I'm trying to take the positives out of, the, out of it, I suppose. Yeah, no, I mean, the the, the, the Hallgate argument, I, 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 I get completely and I've always been a fan of Mason Hallgate, but at the same time, Mason Hallgate, you know, developing the way as on whatever, I've only got to senior centre halves. Um so that that's a problem. Whether Holgate plays well or not, for me that's a problem. Um Calvert Lewin, again, you know, I've spoke highly of him, but I've I've also got that criticism that I don't think he, he he's he's a quality finisher and I don't think he's gonna score enough goals. Um and, and he did bring a striker in. You know, Marco Silva did bring a striker in and, and he's a dud for me in key. I know he hasn't had a lot of chances but it was the wrong signing at the wrong time. We needed the centre forward, but not a 19-year-old kid who'd scored a handful of goals for the best team in Italy by a country mile. Um, I'm always going to criticise Silva because I don't agree with a lot of the things he did from from day one when he made Tom Davies his captain at Arsenal to selling Phil Jagielka to dropping Leighton Baines off the face of the earth. He did a lot of things that irked me and I couldn't understand. Um, and I'd, I'd give him at best, I'd give him a C, C minus in the transfer window in the transfer market as well. Unfortunately. No, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I mean, Rob, you you'd think that Everton almost planned. Um, what happened in December? Sack and Silver, and then a couple of weeks later, we've uh, we've gone and appointed Carlo Angelotti. But it, it definitely didn't work like that, did it? You know, fortunately, Carlo Angelotti was sacked by Napoli, and then, you know, it's just good timing that we we brought Angelotti in when we did. Oh God, yeah, definitely. You know, I, I can't even remember the other names who were being touted around when it was. Well, David Moyes was definitely one. <laughs> God, yeah, yeah. Christ, yeah they, you know, the idea of bringing David Moyes back and, you know, he, he he's barely getting a tune out of West Ham at the minute. Um, you know, yeah, we did get lucky, but at the end of the day, you know, it's business, isn't it? You know, you, you've got to strike, you've got to strike at the right time and unfortunately for us, we did that. Um, you know, we, and I, I mentioned it before as well, but again, credit to Duncan Ferguson for riding very well to ride that out for three, three or four weeks whilst, we got the man we wanted rather than being forced into appointing someone for the sake of appointing someone. Um, you know, Ferguson said from the off that he didn't want a job full time. Um, he was just there to fill a gap and, you know, and credit to Machiri and, and the rest of the, 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 the board and whatnot for going out and getting someone as high cal- high caliber as, as Carlo Ancelotti. I remember seeing, seeing the, the rumour first come, come around and I started laughing thinking, no, shit, not a chance in hell are we getting him. And then, 
you know, slowly but surely, um, you know, we, you know, we get our man and here we are. You know, things still aren't great. You know, let let let's be realistic. We're still twelfth. You know, the, the, I think we're eleven points above the the, the relegation zone. It's not, you know, what I mean, it's not perilous, but it's still, you know, you want to be further up the table. You know, we've had a couple of disappointing results, but you know, that's what we've got our man now. And next year, next season, whenever that will be, will be, you know, we'll we'll really really kick on. Does Graham, does Carlo Angelotti have a, a better time of it than Marco Silva does then, in your opinion? In in what respect? In terms of, you know, success at the club. Uh, I'd like to think so. Um, he's certainly got the credentials to manage a club like Everton. Um, you know, I, I think I said it on, on the podcast when he went first green. Whether this does work out or doesn't work out, I don't think the board can be blamed on this one. I think, like Rob said, you know they've struck while the irons off. They've took the chance. They've they've put their money where their mouth is. Um, I, I, you know whether whether we want to be up there challenging for the Premier League in in five years. You know I think that might be a push, but you know I could certainly see us challenging for the top four on a on a consistent basis. Um, especially if the new stadium comes to fruition. Um, yeah, you know I'm I'm delighted that Ancelotti's there, and I think. You know, just looking at the foundations he's put in place already without, you know, being able to bring any of his own players in. Um, and, you know, with what has been very limited time, um, despite, you know, the, the last two results against good sides being, you know, maybe not what everybody's was hoping for um, because we had such a good start. Um, I think come next season, um, I've certainly got no worries about us struggling. Um, and, I'm, you know, I'll set the bar relatively high. Um Go and win the games that was supposed to win, as I always say in inverted commas, um, and then and, and see where that takes us. Um, but I think we'll definitely be knocking on the door of the Europa League next season, um, and I'm looking forward to what hopefully will be hopefully a a good transfer window where we can bring a, a centre forward in and uh, add to the squad. Sounds well. I think that's pretty good place to finish on. Unless you've got anything else you want to add on on Marco Silva's time at the club, I just thought it was a. a might as well, you know, good good time to talk talk about it. Seems as it, you know, his sacking happened so quick, and then, um, you know, Ferguson came in, and then Angelotti came in. And felt like we haven't really spoke about it properly, and you know, there's no football to talk about. So, yeah, unless there's nothing else to speak about or talk about, I think. What's he doing now, Marco? Does anyone know what he's doing? What he's up to? Who's he managing now? It's probably on a sun lounger in Portugal somewhere, but I don't <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know actually. I don't think he's been appointed by uh, by anyone. I don't know whether he have been like told that he can't manage anyone for like, a certain amount of time by the club. I don't know if that was in the clause or. Anything I don't like think that. you'll see any of the big leagues again. Know myself. I don't think so. Okay. I think he's probably gonna have to be like go back to Portugal and start kind of start again. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. start off at go go to like one of the the teams who got quite a bit of potential in in Portugal and. And see yeah. how far he can get, or even if he's lucky, he might get like a, a Benfica or a Porto or a sporting job. Um, but yeah, I, I agree, he's you know, he's far from getting one of the big jobs in Europe because he clearly did, wasn't able to cut it um, at Goodison. Yeah, yeah, all right, lads. Well, thank you for coming on, much appreciated. Um, spending time talking about the Blues, we'll uh, try our best to, to bring the podcast to you. So, yeah, Rob, thank you very much. No worries, mate, and Graham, thanks very much. 
Cheers. Stay safe, fellas. Yeah, you too. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And you've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street podcast on the Royal Blue channel. You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.